voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. As always, I am excited about this show. I never give you a show that doesn't thrill me half to death, and this is no exception. We are joined today by Lisa Bennett. She is the communications director for an organization I'm really wild about. They're called the Center for Eco-Literacy. And if you want to check out their website while we're talking to Lisa Bennett, go ahead and open a new web browser page, new tab, and go to www.ecoliteracy.org. And you will see some really exciting stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Lisa, we are thrilled to death to have you on Go Green Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jill. It's wonderful to be here. Well, please give our listeners just kind of an overview, kind of the the big picture on what the Center for Eco-Literacy is and what your organization does. Sure, I'll be happy to. The Center for Eco-Literacy is a nonprofit organization. We're based in Berkeley, California, and we're dedicated to education for sustainable living. And what we mean by that is that we believe that schools, the nation's schools, kindergarten through 12th grade, should be teaching young people about their own relationship to the natural world and to help them develop an ecological understanding. Um, And we've been around for about 20 years, and I should say that year by year we become um, more and more convinced of our, our mission and the need for this because we truly believe that schooling that is dedicated to sustainability uh, is one of the best and the most hopeful long-term answers to many of the environmental crises that we're now facing. That if we teach today's young people how to live in harmony with nature, we can avoid fueling more crises such as climate change in the future. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and as you know, um, I'm the founder and executive director of the Go Green Initiative. I think that we are absolutely joined at the hip um, in terms of this mission, and I'm thrilled to hear you articulate it the way that you did. Now, tell us what your organization does. I mean, we're going to get into some of the specifics, but mm-hmm. again, that thumbnail sketch, what sure. is it that the center does? Well, we offer seminars to educators, to parents, and to other people who are interested in these issues. We go in and we work directly with schools and consult with them on on how to incorporate sustainability. Uh, And we also offer many, many publications, both online as well as books, that help show how this can be done. And you have some very impressive board members. Um, And I'm always interested in sort of the history of relationships and the histories of organizations. How did you all come together? You've got some really stellar folks on your board, how did, how did they all come together and, and embrace this singular mission? Well, we're, we are extremely lucky with the board we have. We have Fritjof Capra, who's a physicist and world-renowned systems thinker, and he's the author of numerous uh, bestsellers, including the Tao of Physics, the Web of Life, and others. Um, and I should say he's, he was... He was one of the three co-founders, but I would say it began with Fritjof, um, who then also met 
um, Peter Buckley, who at the time was the CEO of uh, the corporation Esprit International mm-hmm. and also an environmental philanthropist, uh, and Zenobia Barlow, who is our current ex- executive director and I think really has uh, extraordinary experience working on these issues. And um, they came together originally founding a think tank, um, and it was Fritjof's idea to have a think tank that was looking at ecological issues, and Zenobia ran that, and Peter helped support it. Um, and then as time went on, they became more and more convinced that this kind of understanding was essential in school. And so it then um, they turned from a think tank to a, a nonprofit organization that could really work and dedicate itself to, to making change in school. Mm-hmm. And in as much as your board members are truly impressive, the same could be said of your staff and your consultants. How did you all come together and find each other and, you know, set set a course for the work that you're doing together? Well, it's always funny how it happens. I mean, we ha- we have a staff that, um, you know, over the years people people have come uh, at different points, of course, and some have been here for quite a long time and others are more recent. Um, we're lucky in that we have uh, incredible experience behind the entire staff here. But I guess the thing that br- brought everybody here ultimately was personal conviction. Um, you know, I can say best for myself um, that it, it came for me several years ago uh, from the place of being a parent and having two young boys and hearing what was going on mm-hmm. in the world from an environmental perspective and believing that, you know, that was very much a part of my, for me, it, it became very much a part of what it felt uh, important to do as a parent, mm-hmm. to concern myself with what is this world that my children will be growing up in um, and, you know, how can I both help prepare them for it and try to um, do my little part to make things develop in, in a better way. Well, that that's, I think, what brings so many of us, especially, I, I really feel like there's a kind of a new movement, a 21st century environmentalist, and more and more I hear people talk about how their role as a parent has influenced their work when it comes to whatever it is in the environmental world, and it might have nothing to do with um, actually running an environmental organization. It might be how their business you know, how they're taking their business green or uh, how they've incorporated some essence of sustainability into, you know, what used to be a field unrelated to environmentalism, but they're beginning to see that their role as a parent and a caretaker for their children is part and parcel with what drives them toward a more sustainable lifestyle. Um, And I I think that's a really great place to be because it kind of taps into a preconditioning preconditioned, uh, you know, situation where people who love children uh, see that protecting the environment is just one more way to express that. Are you guys finding that to be true in your work with schools and and with the center, uh, that that people who can be convinced that, you know, this is just one more way to express love for children are kind of excited about what you do? Oh, I think absolutely. You know, many of the, uh, among the many educators we work with, some, of course, have children and some don't, but, you know, the unifier is that they care about young people. And then, you know, for parents, 
um, I, I think you are absolutely right. There is, you know, it almost seems like this slow-growing revolution yeah. where, where you know, we are uh, all understanding. And, you know, when you tap into, I, I, I once spoke with somebody who said, you know, um, there are many ways in which people are not actually hardwired to understand some of the environmental issues that we face now because they are new. You know, they're not what people had to deal with in times past. But what we are hardwired with is our our compassion and our dedication to young people and to safeguarding our young people. So when you get, um, you know, parents and professionals together who are committed to that, uh, that certainly is what gives gives us a lot of hope about yep. about and I, I think that's gonna I think that's really going to shape the environmental movement of the twenty first century because it's not that we don't care about polar bears or spotted owls or trees, we do. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, sometimes that doesn't move us um at the end of the day after a long work day, the way that, that sweet little face of our child, grandchild, niece or nephew would um, to change our behavior. Talk to us about this concept of sustainable living and kind of how that marries, you know, to the concept of of loving children being concerned about their future. Sure. Um, well, I think I think if I can just you know pause for a moment on on what we mean by sustainability because it is one of those words that people are using. Um, more and more these days as they hear about issues like climate change and water shortages and pollution and, you know, we, we, more and more of us recognize that, you know, as our population grows, that puts a growing burden on natural resources. So we hear increasingly that sustainability is something we have to learn. Um, at, at the Center for Eco Literacy, our, our position is that, well, to learn how to live sustainably, um, there's really a very clear place that we we must, must turn to, and that's nature, because nature itself has sustained life for billions of years. So for us as people to learn what it means to live sustainably means we look to nature. What are the, the, the laws, if you will, of, of how nature sustains life? And then we develop our businesses, our home practices, um, in ways that will allow us to live in harmony with nature. I think that's an incredibly humbling idea, mm-hmm. and, and I, I have to pause because it, it kind of takes your breath away when you think about the paradigm shift involved in what you just said, because for so long, um, as long as I can remember, and, and I have also studied a great deal of history, the role of human beings has been to somehow control nature or tame nature for our, you know, our homes. We clear, you know, forests to build things and, and what have you. The idea of, of humbling ourselves enough to actually learn from nature um, is, is kind of a new idea to me. It, it's, it's a new old idea, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, one of the, the uh, I, I mean, I certainly couldn't agree more with you on, on it being a humbling experience in, in the best sense of the word. You know, right. it, it actually right. feels good. To recognize, and you know, we also recognize that um, what I mean by a, a new old idea is that we, you know, indigenous people have influenced our work here a lot uh-huh. because we look back and, and say, well, what have you know different native cultures? How have they learned how to live sustainably? Because they did, mm-hmm. you know, in a small environment where they depended upon each other, um, you know, and they couldn't order things from far away. Right. They did have to learn 
sustainability, and so it is a very natural practice for them. So in a way, we're almost in this place as a modern society now of learning a new version of that old wisdom. Right, and it doesn't mean that we're all going to go back to living in huts and caves. Absolutely. It just means what can we take, what can we glean from all the advances of our modern society, marry that with some of the lessons of old to create an even better 21st century. Walk us through some of the steps that a school might take to properly educate students on sustainable living. What might that look like? Uh, well, you know, the way we look at it, there are many, many different ways in which it can be done. And, in fact, um, you know, we, we like to honor the different starting points and, and say there isn't really just one model. But one of the most, um, you know, in fact, one of the starting points for us when we go and we work with a school is to see, well, what is the natural starting point for this group of people? You know, what happens to be their greatest interest? And it might be around food. It might be around, the, you know, how the buildings are constructed on campus. It might be looking at the use of energy resources. It might be what they teach, uh, not only in a garden, but in some of the less obvious places like the, the arts and history and math. Um, so... We, we initially go through and, and say, okay, what's the level of interest here? Where is it coming from? And uh, then, you know, the, the, the natural step after that uh, are for the, the members of the school community to begin educating themselves about the issues. So they might come to one of our seminars or read one of our books, um, bring us in for a series of talks, will then often do some hands-on work where the school will... Um, We'll work with the school to do an audit of what they're teaching now to show where, you know, some ecological understanding is already present. I love it. And actually, we're going to dive into the details of some of those steps in our next segment. And so, folks, don't go away. We're going to take a short commercial break here, and we'll be back with more from the Center for Eco-Literacy right after this commercial break. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Want pure inspiration and great ideas for action? Want to become successful beyond your hopes and dreams? Then tune in to Millionaire Mentor with best-selling author, one of the world's leading women entrepreneurs, and host, Luann Mitchell-Halter. Luann and her guests, all masters of global inspiration, share their secrets to manifesting and positive daily mental exercise principles. From how to get affordable health care to billionaire mentality and bankrupt no more imagery, Millionaire Mentor dares you to live the life you love and love Love the life you live. Millionaire Mentor with Luann Mitchell Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Millionaire Mentor, achieve your greatest heights. Have you ever thought about having your own internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we are talking with Lisa Bennett from the Center for Eco-Literacy. I'd like to invite all of our Go Green Radio listeners to follow along on their website. Don't close this web browser. Keep listening to voiceamerica.com, but open a new tab in your web browser and go to www.ecoliteracy.org. And we're going to be talking about some of the services and resources that the Center for Eco-Literacy has available to schools. And I know you're going to love this. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. Well, I'm excited to hear that you have a new publication coming out this fall called Smart by Nature, Schooling for Sustainability. This sounds pretty exciting. Tell our Go Green Radio listeners more about that publication. Thank you. You know, it is very exciting. We've been working on this for years, and it's a book that will be coming out uh, in the fall by Watershed Media and distributed by University of California Press. As far as we know, this is the first book that will um, document the small but growing movement of schools that are taking on this work across the country. We have um, said about the country, you know, visiting these schools to see exactly what they're doing to help uh, develop an ecological understanding, to help their students develop an ecological understanding. And we share these models, these stories, and some of the ideas and best practices of how to do it. And, you know, one of the exciting things is that this isn't the kind of thing that's only happening in California schools. We are, we've looked at schools on Lopez Island in Washington, small town, a rural community of Portage, Wisconsin, Apple Valley, Minnesota, Belfast, Maine, and then to urban areas like Chicago um, and, and um, numerous places throughout California, of course, but it's small town, urban, um, rural, and so many different ways in which people are recognizing very often on their own that in the times that we're living in, this is the kind of schooling not only that um, 
students need to have, but that many people, you know, are simply excited to share with them because it is returning them, you know, to something very healthy, to the natural world. And there has also been, you know, a lot of research recently that has connected um, environmentally focused learning and improved academic performance, you know, improved health with all the different uh, aspects that come under this kind of education. So we're excited to have the book out and, um, and, it, it's possible to pre-order on Amazon now if anybody wanted to check it out. Ooh, I'm going to do that <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that that is is really exciting stuff. Now, will the book uh, have students from various age levels as well? Absolutely. Yep, we're looking at you know the youngest students up until high school students, and in fact, one school where they have. Um, changed their entire approach, incorporating sustainability, kindergarten through 12th grade, every single wow. grade. That's exciting. I, I really can't wait, and I am going to, I am going to order that on Amazon. So, uh, again, for those of you who might want to do the same, the book is called Smart by Nature, Schooling for Sustainability. Um, have our Go Green Radio listeners take a look at your website, Lisa, and that, again, is www.ecoliteracy.org. Um, they will notice that you guys have a series of seminars that are coming up. Would you share with us more about these seminars and, and more specifically how our listeners might be able to participate? Sure, I would be happy to. You know, and then it's interesting you bring it up because just last week we concluded a three-day seminar that was so extraordinary. Um, you, you know, we have just moved into a larger space and we sold out. And we had educators and we had parents that came from across the nation and even as far away as the Galapagos Islands. Wow. At the end, you know, people spoke about what it felt like to be among other like-minded people and, you know, focused on this work. And it was so moving because you could hear from one after the next how deeply rewarding and important it all felt. So... Um, there is something, you know, special and extraordinary going on, and and I think a, a, a great opportunity to be in the room with other people, um, learning more about this. So, as far as the seminars that we have coming up, we do have uh, three uh, exciting events. The first one is in August, August thirteenth to fifteenth, and it is called a short course: systems thinking, education, and the state of the world. Hmm. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> ambitious title for, for three days, and it's it's um it's an, a rare opportunity because it's really it's headed by Fritjof Capra, um, who, as I mentioned, is one of the leading systems thinkers, and and he'll talk about how the different you know global problems that people are focused on now are interconnected, and how we can go from these different pro- environmental problems to uh, the goal of building sustainable thinking. Uh, so that's Thursday, August 13th to 15th. I do have to say, though, at this point, it is looking like we're about sold out on that. Wow. Well, you guys need to webcast it. I would oh, love... Yeah. We are looking into that as a matter good, of... Yes, good, good. So. <laughs> um, and I know for a fact that that is a successful model because Governor Schwarzenegger did that a few months ago. He had a global summit, and, you know... You can pack a lot of people into, it was some Beverly Hills hotel, but, you know, not everybody who wanted to see it could be there. But the webcast was something that we put up on our website for the Go Green Initiative, and there were a lot of people 
funneling through for several weeks watching the webcasts over and over again. Yes. Even through our website, let alone the governor's. So, um, so yeah, please do that if you can, because I know that a lot of folks, a lot of our listeners are, you know, all over the country, and we have some from other parts of the world, and I know they would love to be part of that if they could. Great. Well, we are absolutely looking into it, and I know that a lot of people don't feel right about traveling long distances now, too. So Yeah, absolutely. We'll save save a few carbon emissions and watch <laughs> it online. <laughs> um, but, but again, though, there is no substitute, like you said, for being in the same room mm-hmm. with like-minded individuals. Um, that is it is a thrill. I can absolutely attest to that. It now, is. One, and one that, and would you like me to mention the other oh, yes, ones that are still open? Okay. So on the evening of uh, Friday, August 14th, we have an event with David Orr, who is one of the nation's leading environmental educators and one of our board members, and he will be uh, giving a talk on climate change, and it will be at the David Brower Center in Berkeley. And then uh, in October, on October 15th, we will have an all-day special intensive at the annual Bioneers Conference. Um, and it's the it's the day before the Bioneers Conference actually begins. It's considered the pre-conference intensive, and it is all focused on schooling for sustainability. Um, and we've got fabulous keynote speakers and workshops, and anybody who can make it to that, I, I think they'll really, truly find it a very inspiring gathering. That's terrific. That's so exciting. Um, now, you guys, I, this is kind of an interesting thing because this has actually been um, – a, a series of fascinating shows that we've done on the Go Green Initiative over the past few months. And it centers on food and whether that's replacing food uh, areas with uh, biofuels, whether it's the energy that is uh, required to move food to various places and you know maybe instead shopping at local uh, farmers markets, those types of things. The Center for Eco Literacy does place a special emphasis on food, and there's a lot of eco issues around food. And you're actually going to be coming out with a teacher's guide to accompany um, a documentary called Food Inc. Would you share with our listeners the concepts around food that the center has developed and what the teacher's guide will provide for teachers? We, we got involved in food many years ago when we initially started visiting schools to see some of the pioneers who were teaching about sustainability in the classroom. And what they said to us was, you really should go to the lunchroom and see what the kids are eating because they knew way back then that uh, very often the food that was being served to young people in the classroom was not healthy, nutritious food. And so we got engaged at that point in uh, launching a program called Rethinking School Lunch, and it was focused on helping bring uh, nutritious, uh, fresh food to the lunch program, often leading schools to bring in gardens and uh, form connections to, to local farms. And we were very convinced, as you know, many people are, that there's a connection between the food that young people eat and how they do in school, what their health is, what their academic performance is, what their level of um, attention is. So, you know, that was where we initially got involved in in food many years ago. We've also um, have a a new teacher's guide, which is called Big Ideas, Linking Food, Culture, Health, and the Environment, which 
you know, as you said in, in leading into this topic, um, is looking at the connection between food and the other aspects of our, our lives um, in the environment, including um, there being so many different aspects under the environment and the connections around food. Absolutely. With, with the new work that um, around Food, Inc., what this is is the Food, Inc., the documentary that is now airing in uh, many cities in the United States and perhaps around the world, I don't know. Um, your listeners might know better. But it, the, the documentary looks at the industrialized nature of the food supply in the United States, and it explores the relationship between how our food is produced and human health and worker rights and other issues. Um, so we were approached uh, just about a year ago and asked to develop a curriculum guide for high school uh, classrooms so that they can explore some of these issues themselves. And what we do in this guide, which will be available in the fall, um, is we help we help structure a discussion around the film that isn't actually trying to present a specific point of view, but rather to help students explore their own thinking. So we pose a number of questions. You know, do people have the right to know what's in their food? Who's responsible for keeping our food safe? Should access to healthy food be a right for everyone? Um, and we hope that the guide, you know, that teachers will find, find the guide useful so they can show a portion of the film and then have a very interesting uh, conversation with students to help them think more deeply about these issues. Well, and what subject would you envision teachers using this? Would it be social studies, uh, history? What what subject matter do you see, you know, this falling under? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. We, we specifically target a number of different subjects because we think, you know, it certainly does cross the lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so economics, environmental science, science, um, agriculture, you know, mm-hmm. th- those are some of the subjects we can envision this being taught in. Absolutely. And I know what will probably ensue, because I've seen this even at some of the schools that we work with, students, once they're armed with credible information, often want to take action. So I would recommend to school nutrition services folks to go ahead and get an advanced copy of this, because you may have some high school students who want to see some changes in their school lunch program, um, which, you know, they should absolutely be involved in that type of decision-making. I am really excited about the work that you're doing, and we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. When we come back from this commercial break, we'll have more with Lisa Bennett from the Center for Eco-Literacy. We're going to talk in more specifics about some of the services that the center provides to schools. If you want to check it out in advance on our commercial break, check out the services page on their website, which once again is www.ecoliteracy.org. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. 
Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Sylvata alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. And we're back. Bob from Scranton, you're on the air. Hi, Ted. Love the show. Long-time listener. First-time caller. Thanks, Bob. Is there a special someone out there you'd like to talk about? There is, Ted. I recently lost a very big part of my life. You'd been together a long time? Since college. This is for my belly, my paunch, my spare tire. I know we had some good times. God knows I'll never forget that night in Albuquerque with the burritos. It's never easy to lose something that's been such a huge part of you, Bob. Where'd the magic go? Well, I'd recently begun taking the stairs more and more instead of the elevator, and then we started seeing less and less of each other. One day... It was just gone. Small step number 67. Take the stairs instead of the elevator or escalator. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to help you become a healthier, well, you. Get started at www.smallstep.gov and take a small step to get healthy. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Great show as always. Our guest today is Lisa Bennett from the Center for Eco Literacy. We're having a blast. I really love their approach to sustainable living and education on this topic. It's such a joy to have you on, Lisa. Thanks for being on Go Green Radio today. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. Well, it's my pleasure, and I want everybody to, you know, without closing this web browser, keep listening to our radio broadcast here on voiceamerica.com, but consider opening a new web browser and check out the Eco Literacy website at www.ecoliteracy.org, because I'd like for you to click on the services page of the website and follow along with us. Lisa, what I'd love to do is walk our listeners through this list of services that you have, and maybe if you could give us some examples of how these services have been enacted in real schools and how they've benefited from it. Give us kind of the anecdotal version of of what you guys do. Okay, I'd be happy to. Um, Well, a, a few of the things that we do are provide tools so that schools can take a look you know, objectively at what they're doing already. And one of the neat things that happens through when we provide uh, an academic program audit or, or may offer a school a, a sustainability report card where they can assess for themselves where they're already 
beginning to teach about sustainability. One of the things that we find is that they get very excited and very um, interested in doing more. And we've had, for instance, uh, our education director, Carolee Sly, who is just great and, you know, a teacher herself and goes into the schools and, and walks through the audit with them and shows them where they're already uh, teaching about sustainability. And what inevitably happens is that um, they f- then feel like they can do it. You mm-hmm. know? And um, I know Carolee personally. Actually, she and I worked together the very first year that I started the Go Green Initiative. Of course, she was already a master in the field of environmental education, and she is one of the most nurturing environmental educators that I've had the pleasure of meeting. And having her come in and and show a school not just what they could do better, but what they're already doing well is so positive and so encouraging. Absolutely. And, you know, what one of the things I love about her is there's there's nothing dictatorial about her. Right. You know, no, she's very and, nurturing. Absolutely. And, you know, really believes uh, in, you know, educators are her people. So she doesn't come in and say, here, you know, here is what you should do, right. um, which I don't think tends to attract many people anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know that as mothers, don't we? I mean, yes. you know, two-year-olds don't <laughs> like to be told what to do. And guess what? Neither do 30, 40, 50, and 60-year-olds. So <laughs> not a good approach. <laughs> Exactly. Um, well, but then, walk us through. Keep, I, I interrupted you, and I apologize. Keep going, because I really want our listeners to understand these wonderful services that you have available. I'd be happy to. So, so then we also offer uh, coaching for teaching and learning and in-depth curriculum development and keynote presentations, all of which often go together um, when a school has committed itself to really taking on sustainability. They may commit themselves to spending a year working on this. Um, and so then it, it takes kind of these, these return visits where, you know, our team is actually sitting down with the staff and, and thinking through where can the curriculum go from where it is now? How can they go further in the direction uh, of sustainability? And, you know, some of the some of the experiences that, that happen as a result are just extraordinary. For instance, in Oakland, um, we had some schools that came together around one of the seminars that, that we gave last year. And then, you know, they went back and they organized themselves. So it was about a half a dozen schools in Oakland that decided that they were going to work together around food and sustainability issues and they have an ongoing um, project right now where they're really looking at the best practices around foods and schools and they're sharing that information with each other. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's one of the exciting kinds of things where it's not, you know, the isolated teacher just working by him or herself, but, you know, through this work we also end up uh, happily, you know, making connections and helping other schools connect with each other and then uh, raise the overall level as a result as well as provide a lot of fun uh, right. so that they can share their good ideas. Well, and I'm hearing two things um, as you say this. I'm hearing, first of all, that you're fostering teamwork, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, a lot of people are coming together around a shared goal, and you're fostering teamwork around sustainability issues, and that's awesome. I'm also hearing some local curriculum development. And I think this is only my opinion, but I love to hear about 
local schools getting together and, and working on curriculum that works in their area, sometimes especially in a state that's large, like Texas, like California, and other states where, you know, if all the curriculum were developed in the state capital, it might not be equitably relevant in Oakland and San Diego or in Austin and Grand Prairie, Texas. I love to hear about teachers who are creative educators actually having an impact on the curriculum they're going to teach. I've got to think that that's going to be highly motivating for them. Absolutely, and I think, you know, what what I have found when I've met some of these teachers is that what they find, you know, one of the things that they find so thrilling about the sustainability education is not, you know, just that it's actually very exciting to study nature and not just that they feel like they're doing something good, you know, for young people, but that there is so much creativity in this Mm -hmm. because we're not, you know, attempting to say, okay, here's a set of curriculum binders you must now follow. Yeah, that's super boring. (laughs) (laughs) That's super boring, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, some of our our young, fresh minds that are, you know, all excited to educate the next generation of Americans, I mean, unleashing them on this subject could lend results that, you know, little – a little group of people sitting in an office coming up with, you know, overhead projector slides for everybody could never come up with. Absolutely. You know? And if we are indeed using, you know, nature as our model or nature as our teacher uh, for sustainability, then, you know, we're mindful of that when we try to approach educators as well, you know, that, and that nature has its own creativity and you must work with it. Similarly, you know, every educator has his or her own creativity, and bringing that to this form of education is what really makes it come alive. That's exciting. Now, I have to ask, and I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers as you answer (laughs) this question, is there a geographic limit to your services, or are you capable of helping schools anywhere? Because we have listeners all over the place, and I am sure that they would love to have your help. What can schools outside of California do to access your services? Well, there, there's a lot. I mean, um, we don't have a geographical limit, I will say. <laughs> um, and we have worked with schools uh, and, you know, are discussing working with schools in a wide range of places right now. Um, but, I mean, one of the reasons that we are uh, now, you know, focused increasingly on sharing resources both through our publications and, you know, through our website, um, is because, uh, you know, we want to help reach more people. We see this growing interest uh, across the nation and across the world. We really do hear from people, you know, in other countries every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sharing those ideas is, is a wonderful thing. And, in fact, I might mention that in uh, September we will be launching a very new and exciting website where we will uh, invite schools to upload their own stories about what they're doing related to sustainability. And I think that, you know, it's just a great way for people to see what their peers are doing across the country and, um, and you know, share those good ideas with each other. And so, to, you know, in that way, we're trying to serve as a conduit to help share other people's good ideas, but also certainly I, I would, you know, hope that your listeners would, would check out our new book, Smart by Nature, um, and really, you know, find, you know, come to a seminar if they can, look on, look on the website, or feel free to contact us. 
Absolutely. Well, and again, folks, the, the website you want to check out is www.ecoliteracy.org. Um, great site. Now, um, I just have to ask, you know, because a lot of this sounds like so much common sense. Like, of course we would do this. But what are the most common reasons you find that schools are not already teaching sustainable living? What are some of the typical obstacles that you find when you begin to work with new schools? Well, I think, I mean, when we begin to work with new schools, there's usually an interest there already. Um, so something has started to percolate. But I think one of the, you know, if I could kind of address, you know, what is the, what might be an obstacle for the school that has not engaged in this yet, mm-hmm. I think that it ends up being that they think, oh, God, it's one more thing I have to take on. Right. Because so much is expected of teachers today. And, you know, there is this uh, between the the focus on the tests and the focus on the different social issues teachers have been expected to take on and so many topics as well as, you know, social and behavioral issues. There is a certain guardedness to taking on something new. And, you know, what I think is very refreshing about this is that we don't see you know, schooling for sustainability as one more new thing. It's not a new set of materials. It's a shift in perspective right. you know, on a lot of existing subjects. And in that shift in perspective that recognizes the connections among things, um, you know, that's where, where the, the refreshing aliveness comes to bear again. Absolutely. And I know even, you know, with my program, the Go Green Initiative, I often explain it you know, very visually and very simply. You know, it isn't about doing something new. It's about doing what you already do in a different way. For instance, when I pick up a piece of paper, when you're done with this piece of paper, you can either put it in a trash can or you can put it in a recycling bin. It doesn't take any more energy to do one or the other. And, and there are many, many examples of, of how we can demonstrate and how we can live sustainably just by making a different choice that really doesn't cause us any more time, any more energy, or any more money. And, uh, and we're going to talk some more about this after we take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll be back with more with Lisa Bennett from the Center for Eco-Literacy right after these commercial breaks. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, how you doing? Educational videos, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street. Yo, what's up, baby? Want to learn some history? I got live learning, beautiful books inside. And don't expect anyone to just offer you an education. Who needs a high school diploma, huh? And fortunately, you can't buy a diploma from some guy with a briefcase. But there is one way you can get the educational skills you and your family need for free. With free family learning programs. Call 1-877-FAMLET-1 for information on free GED, computer training classes, and other family learning programs. That's one 877 fam L-I-T-1. Check it out, check it out. When your GED right here, guaranteed, ma. Come on, check it out. After all, you can't get your education on the street. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. The first step to a better life. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are talking to Lisa Bennett, the Communications Director for the Center for Eco-Literacy. If you want to check out their website while you listen to Go Green Radio today, don't close this web browser. Open up a new one, click on a new tab, and go to www.ecoliteracy.org. And you can follow along as we talk about some of the resources and some of the services that the Center for Eco-Literacy provides. Lisa, I'm just so thrilled that you've been able to join us on Go Green Radio today. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It's been great fun. Well, you know, Go Green Radio listeners love a good story, and I was hoping that you might be able to tell us a story about a school that's really been successful in applying the resources that you provide for the, from the uh, Center for Eco-Literacy. Give us, give us a picture that we can take with us that will illustrate the success of your program. Okay, you know, I think that this, if I were to pick one story, there is a school in Oakland, California called the Hedroy School. And this one stands out for me because this school has been around for more than 100 years. I think it's something like 150 years. It's a very uh, established institution. And, and it has, for the first time in its history, changed its mission statement to include green in its wow. mission statement and and right across the K to 12 schools and you know the reason that this big change i think um is all the more impressive is because it kind of started very naturally and very small and it was um maybe about 3 or 4 years ago and there was a student who happened to walk into um the office of the the head of the school uh Paul Chapman and he, the student was interested in doing more around ecological things, and he asked if he could bring a speaker in to talk to the, the Green Club. And so the head of the school said yes, and he decided to go and attend himself. 
And, you know, this was right around the time that um, climate change was really beginning to to hit the front page every day. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much in the air. And the head of the school told us, you know, that what happened over the the months that followed, he described it as a a time of spontaneous combustion. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, because he's, you know, he said that, that the environmental issues that we're facing now uh, are, are so huge and that education is so central to it that he really saw this as, you know, a turning point in history, an unbelievable opportunity for education to make a tremendous difference. And, you know, that, of course, is the way we see it as well, that is just such, you know, what could be more hopeful than to to change the way young people are being taught right now so we don't keep developing these same environmental problems but really learn to live in a better way. So, you know, this excitement happened at, at Head Royce among the students and then the teachers got involved in it and, you know, they set themselves up with a goal to become a model green school and they had so many activities within a short period of time. They, you know, added solar panels. They put in a garden. They had the students run a a trash audit that led to them cutting their uh, landfill output in half within a year. Um, Wow. Yes. That's that's huge. I mean, that's, that's a major accomplishment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then they decided to go even further than that. And, you know, this is the school I... I briefly mentioned before as having committed itself to incorporating sustainability not only in every single grade, but in every single class. I love it. And so, you know, they they brought us in and we worked with them over a, a fairly lengthy period of time. And, uh, you know, it is there and it is growing and it, you, it's a school where you can go into the art classroom and see it happening, or you can go into the math classroom and see them taking on subjects, you know, questions, problem statements that um, have the, the young people wrestling with ecological issues. And it's just a masterful example, I think, um, of what we were saying before, that, this, you know, it's not that it's new content, it's a shift right. in, in, in worldview that recognizes how one thing is connected to another. Well, I have to ask where you see all this going. There's so much momentum, and what you're describing is so exciting. Where do you see the Center for Eco-Literacy in five years? What's, what's the collective vision for the future of your organization? Well, I guess I, ha- I think about it in terms of, you know, where do we hope the movement will be in five years because we do see ourselves as, you know, players in, in, in a much larger movement. And, you know, movements have a life of their own. Sure. Um, and, and so what we envision for five years from now is that every single student in every single school, public, private, charter across the country, um, is is given the opportunity to, you know, help learn about their own relationship with nature um, and, you know, grows up having this this sustainability knowledge that I think many of us wish that we had when we were young people. Absolutely. And I love that mindset. Um, that's 
I always ask this question. Almost every time I have a guest on Go Green Radio, I almost always ask, what's your vision for the future? Um, you know, what do you see the, the outcome of your work being? And very rarely do I ever hear anybody give me a 100% answer. Because that's how I think of the world. I mean, when I was in the Navy, um, if we were going to be inspected by the Admiral on something, it was either pass or fail. It wasn't 80% of the way there or a 70% reduction. It was you did it or you didn't. (laughs) And that's kind of how I see the world with the Go Green Initiative. When I started it, and I literally wrote it on my kitchen table seven years ago, um, my goal was nothing less than to allow every school in the entire world the opportunity to join the Go Green Initiative if they wanted to, which meant that every single school in the entire world was going to have to know about it. And we aren't there yet. (laughs) We're only on four continents. We're only going for two more continents because I don't think there are any schools on Antarctica, but I could be wrong. Um, But the fact is there's no reason to shoot for anything less than 100%. One hundred percent. And if you're if you're in the game for any other reason, um, then frankly, you know, I don't think your vision is big enough because the wind blows and the water flows. And if we're really going to help children, even if you only care about children in your hometown, the fact is, things that happen in towns around you, in states and countries around you, will affect your children. So even if, you know, you're a parent out there in Schenectady, you need to be worried about what's happening in Paducah and St. Louis because the wind blows and the water flows. And being a part of an organization like yours with a vision like yours, um, you know, I think that's really, really important to have that kind of mindset that why shoot for anything less than helping all children, mm-hmm. helping every community. I love that. Great well, answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I respect your perspective on that, too. I mean, I, and I think that that's part of what happens when we do this work as we ourselves learn more about the urgency of, of some of these issues and um, the interconnectedness that you're referring to. I mean, that, that, that follows. We, we need this. We need everybody to have the opportunity we do. We do, because otherwise um, anything less is, is frankly uh, an injustice in, in the situation that we find ourselves in. I mean, everybody needs a chance to learn about how to improve you know, their lives. And what's more important to a lot of folks is the standard of living that they pass along to their children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know a single person out there who says, you know, I hope my kids live worse than I did. <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants to pass on a better standard of living to their children. And you know, there are some basic foundations of living, you know, natural resources that are going to be required in order to do that and to accomplish that. Excellent point. In, in the time that we have left, Lisa, if you could give our Go Green Radio listeners a couple of tips on where to begin right now today in living more sustainably and teaching the children they love, whether it's their children, grandchildren, or, or neighborhood children, to do the same, what, what would you tell them? In a few minutes, huh? <laughs> in actually one minute. <laughs> one minute. I know that's not much time, but that means we'll bring you back on. But what would be that tip that you'd give them for living sustainably starting today? I would, if I had to say it very, very briefly, I would say spend more time in nature, study nature, and recognize yourself as a part of nature. Um, nature is our teacher. We believe we can find all the answers there. I would you know, very much hope that for your listeners who come to our website that they would especially explore, if anything else, 
um, the area that we call Smart by Nature, Schooling for Sustainability. We identify four specific ideas there that we believe are, you know, front and center to learning how to live sustainably. Nature is our teacher. I love that. Number one. I absolutely love that. And so many times, you know, we have, I love all my guests for Go Green Radio, but sometimes our guests will say, well, buy this product and start living sustainably today. And you didn't do that, Lisa. You told (laughs) us, go outside, be in nature. And I love that answer. I loved having you on, and I hope that we can do this again uh, sometime soon. In the meantime, folks, be sure to check out the website for the Center for Eco-Literacy at www.ecoliteracy.org. And be sure to join us again next week, same place, same time, for more Go Green Radio. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.